number eight, I thought about just having the rest of the service, having the teens keep singing that same song over and over and over again until we caught it. But I pray that this morning that you would desire that your life would count for Jesus. You know, the last couple of weeks, each and every single uh, service... I haven't known necessarily what people are going to be singing or anything like that, but I believe that each of the services, the special music and the message has gone hand in hand. I believe that's appropriate again today as we look at Acts chapter number 8. I want to preach a message to you that we see a portion of scripture where as you read these verses, something that might come to your mind is the words, something ain't adding up. Something ain't adding up. Now, I know for some of you uh, English gurus, the word ain't ain't a word you like, but it's a word I use, ain't. Something ain't adding up. You ever been around someone and maybe they were trying to uh, talk to you about something and, and maybe, you know, someone was talking to you and, and for those of you who enjoy sports, maybe they were saying, oh, I love this sport and I'm, I'm awesome in this sport. And then you go and maybe there's a couple of days where you start playing that sport with that individual. And as you're sitting there playing that sport with that individual, you're standing there and you're saying, they said that they were awesome at this and that they loved it, but something ain't adding up. And all of a sudden you found out that it wasn't quite what they were saying. Maybe for some of you, uh, you've, you've seen people talking about maybe dieting and they're saying, oh, I'm doing this and that, and, and you might have the thought come across your mind, something ain't adding up. People said, you know, oh, I know how to do this and I can do that, speaking of jobs. And they get hired for the job because of all of their resume, what they said that they could do. And then they get on the job and the the manager says, something ain't adding up. Acts chapter number 8, you come in contact with a man who you will begin to see his story unfold before your eyes. And his name is Simon. It's not the Simon that we are typically introducing and talking about. That This man begins to, if you would, he's, he's known as one who would be a sorcerer or someone who would use sorcery, if you would. And there comes a time in his life where... In this passage of scripture, he supposedly follows and he uh, accepts the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And then later on in the passage, he comes in contact with a man by the name of Peter. And Peter looks at him and calls him out on some things. In this passage of scripture, we find that something ain't adding up. You see, in the Christian life, we find that all throughout the Christian church, as you, you go and you study the church and the, and the Word of God, you'll find that Satan, all the way from the beginning, has been trying to destroy He's been trying to destroy the message of the gospel. He's been trying to destroy the the testimony of the church. He's been trying to destroy Christians and anyone that he could who was trying to do something great for the Lord. And as he quickly found out that he could not destroy the church or the testimony of God, he could not destroy the gospel, he began to try to use different methods. Sometimes those methods would be deception. We're living in a world today where Satan has deceived many people. He's not only deceived many people, but he's deceived many Christians as well. He's deceived people in thinking that they can live a certain way and do certain things and live like the world and live like the devil and still be okay to do all these things for the Lord. The Lord looks at it and says, something ain't adding up. You see, all throughout, we see compromise. Now, that word compromise is a word that a lot of people don't like these days. People don't like to be told that they've compromised. And you're finding in in Scripture and even much today that we come to the reality that God's Word is unchanging. God's Word does not change, but we are finding that God's people are changing. 
God's people are changing. And, and we find some sad realities today of some Christians who uh, will claim that they love the Lord and that they want to do something great for God. And all of a sudden you begin to hear all of the lip service and their life service begins to reveal that something ain't adding up. Can I ask you this morning, as you come to the house of God, you might have come and you're saying, hey, I do love the Lord and I want to do something great for God and I, I do this and I want to do that and I want to do all this. And you're saying a lot of really good things. But God's looking at each of our lives and He's acknowledging all of the lip service this morning and He is sitting there and He is saying, you keep saying these things, but something's not adding up. Something is not adding up. As you come and you begin to realize that in our modern day we are seeing a lot of Christians who are, instead of seeking to be faithful followers of the Lord, they're seeking to be fame and famous. We're seeing a lot of Christians that are getting looped into this comfort level of living the comfortable Christian life and living a comfortable life instead of conversion. We're seeing that a lot of people are finding that they want peacefulness over standing strong and standing firm on the Word of God. A lot of people are finding that they want the easy road instead of the journey that has traveled with the Lord Jesus Christ instead. You know, I've, I've talked to people before and, and even people who are praying about serving the Lord and people who are praying about getting active for the Lord and they would, they would make statements like, oh, it just seems like it's too hard. Is He not worth it? You see, far too often we, we seek to be uh, very comfortable people. But nowhere do you find that God says, hey, just seek to be comfortable. Nowhere do you find that in Scripture the Lord says, hey, I just want you to be comfortable. No, as a matter of fact, oftentimes in Scripture we're seeing that God is drawing people out of their comfort zone. Why? Because it's right there with Him. Whenever you find yourself uncomfortable, you say, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, what do you have for me right this very moment? And so we're finding in our day and age that there are a lot of Christians who something ain't adding up. There's a lot of change in our world today. There are a lot of people who are going this direction because it's just the easy path instead of saying, you know what, I want to follow Jesus. You find in Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number 8, that the Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Psalm 102, verse 25 on down says, Of hold hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure, yea, all of them shall wax old like garment, as vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Psalm 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 58, the Bible goes on to tell us, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain. And as you read 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 58, you might be saying, Oh, it just seems like it's impossible. You say it's just too hard to be unmovable. It's too hard to be steadfast. No, it's not hard when you're resting in Him. It's not hard when you're yielded to Him. It's not hard whenever you say, Lord, I'm dying to self and giving my life to You. It's only hard because you're trying to live like the world and still say that you're a Christian. You see, the Lord intended for the children of God to be different. You're not supposed to blend in with the world. You're supposed to stand out. As you find in Scripture, especially in this portion of Scripture, Peter is going to find that, hey, Simon, you're saying one thing, but something's not adding up. Look with me, if you would, in verse number 20, the Bible goes on to tell us, and we're going to backtrack here in a few moments, it says, But Peter said unto him, what you're going to find is that Simon, a sorcerer, 
has a great following. He has people who are following after him. And people want to see his sorcery and want to see all of what he's capable of doing. And so he has all of these people who he has tricked and that hold him in high esteem, if you would. And there comes a day in Simon's life where he all of a sudden sees that Philip is preaching and he sees, man, look at what Philip is preaching. And people are following after him and following the, 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 the gospel that he's preaching. Man. And there comes a time in Simon's life where Simon supposedly becomes a follower himself. As you transition into the passage of Scripture, you'll see that there, there comes a moment whenever the apostles lay hands on the Samaritans and they receive the Holy Ghost. And Simon is standing back, and as he sees that, he looks at it and says, Man, I need that power. Remember, he was a sorcerer, a witchcraft. And in verse number 20, you begin to see what Peter says to him. Peter says, and now look, this is not, on Wednesday we were talking a little bit about this, but there are times in the Christian life whenever we're reading the Word of God, or there are times whenever the Lord is dealing with us, and sometimes He is dealing with us gently. Trying to encourage us along, or trying to get us to, to do something very gently, if you would. And He might encourage us in a, in a way that seems like it's very graceful. And then there's times in the Word of God, whenever we're reading or the Holy Spirit is dealing with us, when all of a sudden it might seem a little bit more abrupt. Can I illustrate it this way? If, if these two boys up front were to come to me and they're fussing, I might look at them and say, Hey guys, it's, you guys don't need to be fussing. Y'all need, need to be good friends and, and just enjoy the time together. That's a, a graceful way. Let's just say they keep fussing. There's only so many times you're going to do it in that, that regard, and you're going to say, hey guys, just, you just need to get along. There's going to come a day when I'm going to look at them and say, y'all two need to get over it. You see, and you take it to a little more of an abrupt way. Hey, quit being immature. Hey, quit fussing. Give each other a hug. You know, you're a little more abrupt about it. I said hug, and both of them looked at each other like, it ain't happening. But in this portion of Scripture, Peter has had enough. Notice what it says right here. Verse number 20, it says, but Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor law in this matter, which, by the way, that, that deals with the entire uh, gospel that people say, Hey, if you give this, you can get saved. That, that deals with that right there. Verse number 21, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness, in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. Peter's very direct. Peter just looks at him and says, If I were to summarize, something ain't right with you. A couple of verses back, you were saying that you were a believer and you were a follower, but now you're seeking this power and you think that you can buy this power. Something ain't adding up. You see, as we look at 1 Corinthians again, verse number 58 of chapter number 15, this is something that we need more Christians to do. The Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. You need to be steadfast and unmovable. You need to always abound in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. It was Paul exhorting Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter number 3 when he says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom 
thou hast learned them. If you were to go to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 4, you would see that the matter is continuing to be addressed on concerning standing up. And if I were to encourage you this morning, I would encourage you in three ways. Number one, stand firm for Jesus. You see, you're going to stand firm on something or for someone. You might as well say, you know what? For the rest of my life, I'm going to stand firm for Jesus and do something great for God. Don't do something great for yourself. Do something great for God. As you begin to fall in love with the Word and you begin to fall in love with the Lord, you'll find that He is what it's all about. Stand firm for Jesus. Can I encourage you not only to stand firm for Jesus, but stay focused on Jesus. You know, in a day and age in which we're living, we are so focused on anything and everything but the Lord. People walk into the house of God. Hey, did you, did you see what's going on on the news right now? No. Because there ain't nothing encouraging anymore on the news. Last time I checked, as a matter of fact, last time I turned on the news, I turned it off in a matter of a minute and a half because I got so frustrated. I want to keep my focus on Jesus and make sure that I'm following Him. He'll provide and deal with everything else. Number three, could I encourage you keep following Jesus? Those are three hard things to stand firm, to stay focused, and to keep following. But if you pledge and die, die to do it, I believe the Lord would help you through it. In Acts chapter number 8, we find that what we would say is a Christian imposter. There are a lot of these this day. People who say, I'm a Christian, I love the Lord, but they don't really know exactly what that means. They have a head knowledge, but they don't have a heart knowledge, if you would. This morning, you might have even walked in here and you say, Oh, I know a lot about Jesus. Can I share with you? There are a lot of people that know a lot about Jesus. The question is not, do you know a lot about Jesus? Do you know Jesus? You say, well, well I think I do. No, no, no. See, in the Word of God, we don't have to, to think we know someone. We can find in Scripture that the Lord deals with that we can know if we know Him. I'm so thankful this morning that I don't have a hope so or think so salvation, but I have a know so salvation because I got it settled at teen camp in July 15, 2009, and that was the moment that I knew that I knew that I knew I didn't have to hope so, I didn't have to think so. I knew that I was saved and that my eternity was settled. You don't have to have a think so salvation. If this morning you've walked into the house of God and you say, Oh, I think I, I can. Can I share with you that at the end of the service I would invite you to come forward so that we can show you that you can know so as you walk out the doors. I know so salvation. You see, and we have a lot of head knowledge in our world today. But the goal is not head knowledge. The goal is heart knowledge. You see, head knowledge follows after the heart knowledge. You see, as you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, all of a sudden, after you've accepted Him as your personal Savior, you ought to desire to get to know Him even more. And as you get to know Him, you'll find that in the Word of God, it begins to deal with these things, and you desire to know Him more and more. In the Sunday school hour this morning, we were looking at Philippians chapter number 3. And in Philippians chapter number 3, we find that those words in verse number 10, that I may know Him. Now, in that, those five words right there, those five words are not just a, a transition statement. It's not though Paul was just trying to fill a, a couple of spaces of words. He was saying that I may know him. And as he is saying it, he is saying it in something that is a continuous thought, that I may know him today, and I may know him tomorrow, and I may know him the next day. And it's a continuous growth of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ in a personal matter. And you see, as you come to Acts chapter number 8, we see what we would say a chameleon, if you would. One who is doing all of these things, but they're... His true colors are revealed. Now this morning, if you're asking, hey, are you saying that Simon was saved? I don't know if he was or he wasn't. 
I know that in Acts chapter number 8, the Bible begins to deal and it says that he was, that he was a follower and that he was baptized and all of these many things go on to lead us to believe that he might have been. And it might have been that he was a follower, but he got sidetracked by his past. Or it might have very well been because Peter begins to deal with us in such a way where he leads us to believe that this man was not a Christian. But that's neither here nor there this morning. The question is this. In your own personal life, the teens just stood up here and saying, I want my life to count for Jesus. You see, your life is going to count for something. It might be in vain. You say, oh, I want to I become super, super rich and have all of the fancy toys. Well, you'll find that that will leave you empty at the end of your life. You might be here this morning and say, oh, I want to I be half in and half out. Well, you'll find that you're going to be empty quite a bit. Maybe this morning you've come and you are saying, you know, I want my life to truly count for Jesus every single day of my life. And you see, in every single crowd, in every single church, there's going to be some where something ain't adding up. Could I ask you this morning, do you fall into that category? Look with me, if you would, four things that we see about this man, Simon. Notice with me, number one, we see Simon's situation. In verse number nine, the Bible says, but there was a man... A certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery, and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had high regard, and or had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. Now this man was a, a satanic, if you would. It is said that in this time he was a sorcerer and used the witchcraft. He, he got a, a following, if you would, and he would use science and superstition and astrology and he would mix them with history and he would mix them with math and agriculture and he would amaze the people by what he was able to do. He, he would do things in such a way that he would lift himself up, if you would. And that is why later on in this passage you're going to find that things start to not add up because he is doing all of this right this very moment. And the Bible deals with this as a matter of fact. In Matthew chapter number 23, verse number 12, it says, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. The Bible deals with this. This man, in this portion of Scripture, begins to reveal that he is a very prideful man. You say, well, how do you know that? Because notice with me, if you would, in verse number 9 again, at the very end, it says, giving out that himself was some great one. He thought a little highly of himself. I'm thankful, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my own life whenever the Lord has humbled me, and also that there have been people in my life where the Lord used to humble me. Any of you got someone like that? I remember being in high school and I remember the Lord used my beautiful wife who was not my wife back then and I remember in high school I was in a math class and she was in, uh, I believe she was in study hall but they kind of had that study hall group in the back of the class and the math class was in there and I remember there was a teacher who had called me up and at the time, you know how teenagers are. Sometimes teenagers are a little bit full of themselves. Any of you teenagers full of yourselves? They said, not any of us. We're humble. Well, I wasn't. I was a little prideful. And uh, sometimes a little cocky and arrogant. The Lord had to break me of that. And I remember in that math class, the teacher had called me up, and he knew I was going to be going to Crown. He says, he said, you're, a, you're a, a big fish in a small pond here at Grace Christian School. Mr. Nadasky was his name. 
He said, how's it going to feel being a, a small fish in a big pond? And I could just kind of looked at him and I said, well, I'll probably still be a big fish in a big pond. And I wasn't thinking, I was just a cocky 17-year-old. And I get back to the, the seat and Kelly looks at me and she says, that was so disrespectful. And who do you think you are? I said, I'm Josh Farmer. <laughs> no. The Lord used her in that moment. I said, you know what? That was disrespectful. And there have been times down the road where the Lord has humbled me, if you would. Listen, we've all been humbled. In this moment right here, this man is needing a humbling. You know, the Bible deals with this subject of pride in Scripture. As a matter of fact, we come to realize that pride is a sin. You know, the Bible deals with that in Proverbs chapter number 21, verse number 4, and high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked. Notice these last two words is sin. It's an abomination unto the Lord. Proverbs 16, verse number 5, Every one that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though, the, uh, though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. It's deceitful in Galatians chapter number 6, verse number 3, For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Pride is an issue that we all face, and pride is something that we have to really make sure that we don't fall to, if you would. This man, in this portion of Scripture, not only does he present himself as one who is a great one, but notice in verse number 10, he had the opportunity to stop what people were saying about him, but he does not. In verse number 10, it says, To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. You know, in that moment, he could have stopped and said, No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I'm nothing, but he was so caught up in the sorcery of the, the following. And so this is his situation, if you would, that he has found himself in. So notice with me now his salvation, if you would. In verse number 12, the Bible goes on to tell us that when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. And so the Bible leads us to believe that this man was a Christian. He, the Bible goes on in verse number seven, uh, 13, Then Simon himself believed also. We, we know that the Word of God teaches that once you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can't lose your salvation. So later on in this portion, we would maybe look at it and say, was this man saved? Well, the Bible tells us right then and there that he was saved. Peter goes at him as though he wasn't saved. But nonetheless, as you begin to realize this man was not only a believer, but he got baptized and he begins to follow. And as he follows, he begins to see all of the miracles. He's listening to all of the preaching. He's seeing all of the followers, if you would, of Philip. Now, I love talking about Philip. Philip was a man full of grace. Uh, Philip was one who had, had great zeal and he was on fire for the Lord. You find that in the end of chapter number 8 as he is continuing to preach and he is continuing to do the work of the Lord and he finds himself doing all that he can for God as he would say it this way, he sold out. And so Philip is seeing, or Simon is seeing all of those things that are taking place. But then you find in verse number 14 this man's not only salvation and not only his situation but you see him searching here. Notice with me in verse number 14, the Bible says, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet 
He was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Simon here in this portion of Scripture begins to search for something. He begins to search in such a way where he offers financial gain, if you would. And this man, by the name of Simon, finds himself in a situation where it will eventually be addressed by Peter, where Peter very simply looks at him and something ain't adding up. Can I share with you, there are a lot of Christians this morning, not necessarily dealing with everyone here in our church, I'm talking about Christians all across the world, who oftentimes will make claims and say that they love the Lord, yet they live truly like the devil. Can I share with you, that is not the way the Lord desires for us to live. As you find in Scripture, there there are certain, certain times whenever the Lord will deal heavily with these things and He will try to get people's attention. Because, hey, that is not what you ought to be doing. Some of you might have dirty conversations and you know you ought not be having dirty conversations. And you say, oh, I love the Lord. Something ain't adding up. A couple of weeks ago, we were headed to Knoxville, and as we were headed to Knoxville, I got that phone call that I shared with you a couple of weeks ago. And on the other end of the phone call, a man is on the phone, and he says, hey, I want to file a complaint. I said, well, I'm the pastor, so that's the guy to file it to. What, what can I help you with? He said, well, one of your people put a, a, a door hanger on my door, and I'm, I don't want you to do that. I said, okay, well, I'm I'm sorry. I said, was there a no trespassing sign or was there a, you know, a do not solicit sign? He said, no, there's no signs. I just don't want you to do it. I said, okay. I said, uh, well, I said, uh, I'm sorry that happened. If you give me your address, we'll mark it down and we won't, we won't put something in your door again. He said, I'm not giving you my address. I said, well, I'm going to tell you right now. And I said, we will be back through that area. He said, so if, if, if you don't give me your address, you will probably get another door hanger. The gospel will be presented. And the very next words that he said left me thinking something ain't adding up. He said, well, I'm a Christian and we don't need all this stuff in our, in our neighborhood. I said, well, if you're a Christian, we should be on the same team. And immediately he hung up. And I sat there, and Braxton was with me as we were driving to Knoxville. And I, 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 I sat there, and these are the words that ran through my mind. Something ain't adding up. But can I share with you? There have been a lot of occasions where we've knocked on the doors of people and someone said, oh, I'm a Christian, and they were the rudest people that they could have been. And we've left doors saying, something ain't adding up. Can I ask you this morning, when people come in contact with you, and you say, oh, I'm a Christian, and I'm this, and I'm that, let me ask you this question. Do they walk away saying, something ain't adding up? They claim to be a Christian, but man, you should hear the conversations that they, they share. You claim to be a Christian, but man, you should see the filth that they share on social media. You see, I don't, I don't follow any of our church members for this exact reason. So I can preach on it with liberty. You see, some of y'all might be sitting at home watching some stuff that you ought not be watching. 
You say, oh, well, they'll never know. Oh, I don't. Have, I won't know. But guess who does? The Lord. You should be more worried about that than you should be the preacher knowing. I remember sitting in a meeting, and I believe it was Brother Ed Loney. He was just preaching just a couple of, I think it was at our youth meeting a couple uh, last year. And he said that statement. He said, I, I meet a lot of teenagers who said, oh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm not worried about uh, you judging me. You can't judge me. Only God can judge me. He said, that's what should worry you. You see, we, we live in a world where there are a lot of Christians who are watching stuff that they shouldn't be watching and, and commenting on stuff they shouldn't be commenting on and doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And they're leaving people walking away saying something ain't adding up. And then we walk into the church and we act as though everything's okay because hey, the preacher doesn't know and the, the church people don't know. But can I share with you, we might not know, but God does. Stop living to please man and start living to please God. Stop living in such a way where you're living in such a way that you're walking about doing things and you're sneaking around and making things seem as though everything is okay. All the while God is saying, oh, my heart is broken because you don't understand what I have for you. You see, we are living in a world today where Satan has deceived so many Christians into believing that they can keep doing all of the sin and keep teetering as much as they want to because it's okay. Hey, they don't know. I hope that I don't get to heaven one day. And the Lord looks at me and He says, You know, you did some really good things. But why did you give yourself to so much filth? Why did you watch those things? Why did you have those conversations? Why did you think it was okay in private? Why did you, why did you think that just because no one else saw it, that it was fine? I hope that I don't get there one day and he, he, he looks at me and, and he says, why, why did you think you had to have those conversations to fit in when I made it very clear that you're a peculiar people. You, you, it, I wanted you to be different. Why, why did you think you had to, to say those things and talk that way and, and watch those things and participate in those things when I had so much more for you? You see, Simon, in this portion of Scripture saw a power that intrigued him. And he said, I want that. You know, we're living in a world today where there are a lot of Christians who see a lot of famous people and think that that's the life to be lived. There are a lot of Christians who see that there, there's a lot of money out there and that that's what the goal ultimately is. And so they live their life to do all of these things. And all the while, they don't realize it, but there are people that are watching them and those people are saying these words. Something ain't adding up. You see, this morning, can I encourage you as you sit there and you listen to the words of that song, I want my life to count for Jesus, it's not just something that you have to say amen to, or that you get to say amen to, rather, but it's something that you can live out yourself. As you sit there and you listen to those words, I want my life to count for Jesus, and you thank the Lord that those young people saying it, you yourself can make the decision that I too want my life to count for Jesus. Simon here begins to find himself seeking this power, if you would. And as you study the book of Acts, the first ten chapters begin to reveal it's a transition period. And as you go and you begin to see all of what is taking place in this portion of Scripture, and we labored on it just a little bit in our Sunday school hour, but as you begin to see all of this, this man's sin is going to be addressed here. Peter comes onto the scene, and I imagine Peter's heard about many of the people. Peter probably knew about Simon. 
Peter probably knew his testimony. Peter probably knew that back in the early portion of the Scripture when the Bible says, now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word, that, hey, hey, that Simon was included in that. That earlier in this portion of Scripture that when it says that Simon himself believed also that Peter knew all of those things. But then Peter comes onto the scene and what's Simon doing? Simon's trying to obtain a power. Can I illustrate it for you this morning? Jacob, come here. Devin, go over there. Let's just say that one day me and Devin cross paths and Devin's living a, a, a very wicked lifestyle. Let's just say he's been hanging around this guy right here and we just cross paths. Maybe we work together. And Devin's standing out there and he sees me on the lunch break and we're sitting at the table and he sees me talking to some other co-workers and he's very intrigued about this situation. And so David, I mean, uh, Devin is listening here and he sees that one person gets saved and so he starts asking questions. And all of a sudden, Devin asks those questions and Devin says, hey, I, I believe also and let's just say he gets saved. Then all of a sudden, let's just say that Jacob over here is, man, this is, this is Devin's guy. I mean, they hang out together. They do everything together. They go to places together. And let's just say this man is the, the ringleader of, of everything that has caused Devin the issues that he's faced. Let's, just, let's use examples that our world is struggling with today. This man, he, he, if, if, he is the, if you're looking for drugs, this is the man to find it from. That baby face just sells it all. And so Devin all of a sudden starts saying, hey man, this, he's racking up the money lately. So all of a sudden, Devin begins to drift back that way. So all of a sudden, Devin's seeking all the financial gain that he could, he could get. And Jacob is making it sound like, man, it is all good. Hey, look, they'll never know because we do these things in secret. No one will ever find out. Except one day, I may hear Devin having a conversation. And I hear Devin talking about this. And so I look at Devin and I simply say, What are you thinking? Dude, what are you, what are you doing? That's not for you. All the drugs and the money—that's not for you. That's that's not what the Lord has for you. And I just, I just lay it into him. And all of a sudden, he he he's he's looking. He says, "But I, but I want that. I want that." It's exactly what is taking place in this portion of Scripture. Simon is, is sitting there and he's seeing, seeing everything that's going on and he believes also and all of a sudden he sees some great power that man, that looks, that looks nice. And he drifts back over there. Tries to pay the financial gain. Notice what Peter says. Y'all can be seated. I'll bring you back if I need you in just a second. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with the money. That thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. 
In this portion of Scripture, he uses the words gall of bitterness in verse number 23. That word or that statement means to be jealous, to be bitter, to have a a distaste, if you would. Simon had seen what was going on and he had a, a little bit of envy and a little bit of jealousy in the power that was being represented here. Hey, if I could just get that power, I could lay hands on people. And he uses the statement, bond of iniquity. Verse number 23, and in the bond of iniquity, that statement in bond of iniquity means to be in bondage of sin or held captive by wickedness. Now in verse number 24, notice with me if you would, because this is something that we see a lot in our world today. He says, Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me. Now look, nowhere in this portion of Scripture do you see remorse or repentance. Ah, I'm sorry. You sorry because you got caught? You sorry. There, there, there. Jackson has been. He he learned to ride his bike a couple, maybe a year ago. And uh, he walked inside the other day, and our vehicles are usually parked in the driveway. So if you see any marks on our vehicles, it's our kids. He walks inside the other day, and he he has had an issue the last probably three weeks. I mean, just riding his bike and just smacking into the van. I'm, I mean, you can see some of the marks. He's just, And so I told him, I said, you're not allowed to ride the bike. Well, then a couple of days go by, and I let him ride the bike again, just kind of gently easing back in, thinking, okay, maybe he's learned his lesson. Well, he comes in the other day, and my truck was in the driveway, and he comes in the other day, and he, he, goes, he says, Dad, why is your stinking truck in, the, in my way? I said, what'd you just say? I mean, just like that. He said, why is your stinking truck in the way? I said, first of all, son, learn how to ride your bike. (laughs) That wasn't in the way. And I had to get on to him. As I got on to him, he says, I'm sorry. I said, you're sorry. Are you truly sorry? Are you sorry because you just got in trouble? Are you sorry because you got caught for what you said? I mean, what are you sorry for? He wanted to go back outside and play. He wasn't sorry. Can I share with you in this portion of Scripture? Simon was sorry, but he wasn't remorseful. He he wasn't repentant of what just happened. You see, we're living in a world today where there are a lot of Christians who are playing the chameleon card. You know what the chameleon card is? We look nice. We talk nice. We know what to say, how to say it, all these things, but on the inside where the Lord sees, He's saying something ain't adding up. We're living in a world today with a lot of Christians where something ain't adding up. Can I ask you this question? When was the last time you got a burden for lost souls? When was the last time you wept over someone who was unsaved? When was the last time you got such a, a heavy heart because you saw the conditions of our world and you prayed heavily for revival? When was the last time you, you walked to the doors of the church and said, man, I get to come to church? When was the last time you opened your Bible with the intentions of the Lord dealing with you and and really revealing some things to you in such a way where you said, Lord, I want to do something great for you? When was the last time? We we come to the house of God and we we, we look at the Word of God as it's being preached and we walk out the same and there's just something that's not adding up. And I wonder this morning, as we listen to the words of that song by those young people, I want my life to count for Jesus. Jesus. I don't know about you. I, I really don't. But when I, when I come into the house of God, it, it just eats me up. And I'm not just talking about Gateway Baptist Church. I'm talking about all across this nation, all across this world. 
that there are Christians that are just missing it. You know, this book that you're holding is a precious book. And as you travel across the world, there are people, as, uh, my heart breaks whenever I have missionaries that show videos and you see children running down, I mean, just miles upon miles just to get a sliver of the Bible. And, and we treat it as though it's just a, a, another book that we can occasionally go to. Uh, it, it breaks my heart whenever I hear that there are some people who are really searching for the will of God and while others know the will of God but don't, won't walk with God and won't follow the will of God because, hey, it just seems like it's a little too much work. Something ain't adding up. No, preacher, I, listen, I do love the Lord. Well, something ain't adding up. I just, it's just, it's a lot. Something ain't adding up. And listen, you ain't got to tell me. The Lord already knows. Peter calls him out. And he very simply says, I'm sorry. And I wonder this morning, within the churches across America, if we've got just way too many chameleon Christians. You say, oh, man, we've, we've got it worked out. The, the preacher will never know. My Sunday school teacher will never know. Some of the people in the church will never know. And that's true. But God Almighty knows. And that's who we respond to. You know, this message this morning is, I pray that you're understanding that it's being preached not because I've seen some things. That's obvious. We all see things. But because the Lord has burdened my heart that here of late, the conditions of our world are trending in that direction because we do have too many Christians where things aren't adding up. What could God do here at Gateway Baptist Church as we walk out the doors of the church if God saw fit to use our church because, man, these people, things add up. What they say, they do. What they reveal, it's true. They want to do something great for God. They love the Lord and they're following after God. It's not just lip service, it's life service. And I wonder this morning, if the Lord is dealing with you because, hey, uh, preacher don't know, that's fine. Something ain't adding up. I wonder if in your life you would get that dealt with. Hey, you say, I'll deal with it another time. Hey, don't let pride hold you captive. It's sin. It's an abomination. It's deceitful. The longer you sit in that sin, the further it will take you down the river. I wonder this morning if you say, you know what? I want my life to count for Jesus. Lord, I'm selling out to you. Don't be a chameleon Christian. Don't be a Christian where things aren't adding up. But be a Christian that when people see what God has done in your life... They're drawn to the Lord because of the testimony of your life lived for Him. Lord, we do thank You. Lord, we come to You this morning. Lord, I pray that You'd be with us and help us, Lord. Lord, we need some Christians who will take a stand and stand firm and do something great for You. We don't need Christians, Lord, that are floating down the river with the world's conditions and going along with everything. But Lord, some Christians who will stand firm and keep their eyes fixed on You and follow after You. Lord, if there's one here this morning that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, I pray that they'd get that settled. Lord, if there's one here this morning where you have already revealed to them that things aren't adding up. Lord, I know that there are going to be some that might be upset with me because of certain things that were said this morning. But Lord, America needs a wake-up call. I need a wake-up call. We need a wake-up call. Because, Lord, you desire to use us, but far too often we're living a life of chameleon Christians. 
Lord, may we respond with obedience this morning. Help us and guide us, and we'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. With heads